Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Tim in Tallahassee asks, don't therapists get tired of listening to people complain all day? What do you think, Todd? Hmm. Do you get tired of listening to people complain all day? I don't. I get this question a lot, though. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. And it, and it usually seems like it's um, patients who have just emoted a lot. You know, they've they've come in and they've really kind of expressed a lot of pain. Um, and usually that question follows. So you're saying you get it a lot from your clients, mm-hmm. that question a lot yeah. from your clients. So yeah. they'll come in and just kind of unload a lot of difficult emotion on you and then they kind of like step back and go, gosh, <laughs> like I just unloaded a lot. Like do you ever get tired of, of that? Yeah, I think there's a realization for them like that was a lot and then there's that moment where they're able to step back and say, wow, do you do that for six hours a day? You know, someone's doing that six hours a day. So it seems to be almost their way of taking care of me in a moment to say like, you know, are you okay? Like, is that safe that I express that much emotion? And do you have to do that repeatedly today? I think it's interesting that people um, call that complaint, that the label of complaining gets put on an expression of a lot of emotion. And I, I think those two things can be the same thing. You can express a lot of emotion while complaining. But I think a lot of times clients will express a lot of emotion and it's, it's not, they're not complaining about anything. They're expressing how they feel. So maybe that's worth talking a little bit about. To you, what's the difference between complaining and just expressing a lot of emotion? Mm, I would think complaining... Um, there may not be a clear kind of functional objective for it's just emoting. It's just kind of venting almost where I think the way this happens usually in therapy, there is some, um, uh, therapeutic process involved where they're, they're going to improve, right? Things will get better for them somehow. And so part of their, the function of them emoting is I think a lot about telling me what's going on in their lives how bad they're suffering from those things. But for me as a therapist, I think there's always kind of an end game in sight, right? Like we're trying to make this better. And they're aware of that. So like if you're aware of the fact that you're expressing a lot of emotion, but it's for a purpose, then it's not complaining. But if you're just doing it without any end goal in mind, then maybe that's more like complaining. Yeah. Yeah. And they may not know the difference at the time. I think maybe that's why it's easier. You know, like that's why I said, no, it doesn't, I don't, I don't feel like you're complaining, right? I don't feel like, um, you're, you're not burdening me with your, uh, emotions. I, there, I know what the process is and I know that we're working towards an end here. <clears throat> and I guess if we weren't working towards some end and I lost sight of that, I guess it could feel like complaining, but mm. yeah, I, for me, a lot of times, um, complaining and I think complaining just necessarily has, I think it's just a negative thing. Like when you say complain, I don't think there's a positive aspect of complaining. I think that's just the way we (laughs) use the word. complaining. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But to me, complaining is often uh, sort of ironically, it's, it's less real discussion of how you feel and more a lot of storytelling. 
like this happened and then they did this and then someone did this and I can't believe they did this and this. And maybe there are little bits of, and I got so mad, but then it's right on to more describing what happened. But I think actually when people really stop and kind of thoughtfully express how it actually made them feel in a nuanced way, that rarely feels complainy to me. In my experience, complaining is a lot of like, um, well, yeah, that storytelling. Um, it's a lot of narrative about this happened and this happened and then this happened and I can't believe this. Like narrative interwoven with lots of judgments. Um, so I'm not, I guess I, I'm not sure that like expression of emotion and complaint go so closely together for me. Or, or like there's like of a um, necessary but not sufficient kind of um, oh, quality so. to it where it's like sometimes emoting is talking about a lot of pain and a lot of their reaction and their struggle. It doesn't necessarily feel like complaining unless there's a uh, kind of a a narrative that you're talking about, I think is what you're saying, like this kind of long drawn out um, flow of thought that isn't really connected. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, I, I guess wh- I'm sort of curious. Why do we, why do some things seem complainy to us and why do some things not? Like I, we both said that we in therapy don't often experience complaininess. I mean, it happens. People do complain in therapy, but, um, but we all know what a complainer sounds like. So what is it about someone <laughs> complaining that's so irritating or off-putting? What is it? Because it's not just expressing emotion. What specifically yeah. about complaining? Well, actually, there's there's an interesting um, interpersonal theory of depression, right, that says that people who are friends or close to people with depression often feel overburdened by kind of this, you know, if, if Bob is your friend and he calls you every day after work and just... Um, talks to you about how awful his work is and how awful his life is, um, then, you know, by Thursday, you, you may not want to take Bob's call, right? Why not? What specifically is it about? Is it, are you just bored? No, I think, I think um, you know, Bob's friend would probably just feel overwhelmed and like maybe he's not, you know, his advice isn't being taken or um, it's the same thing over and over when Bob calls, you know. And, and after a while, you just kind of, it's not that you no longer care about Bob. It's more you just kind of go, oh, I don't know if I can do another hour of Bob telling me how bad his job is. Be- um, because I guess it, it starts to get to Bob's friend. What's Bob's friend's name? Bob's friend is Jim. Jim, okay. Um, I would imagine t- to Jim, the relationship starts to feel kind of one-sided, like it's a mm-hmm. lot of mm-hmm. um, Jim's kind of doing a lot for Bob, but but he's not getting a lot from Bob, right? And so it's, I often, I think one mark of complaininess is that it's it's kind of selfish. Like it's not actually a conversation. Someone's just talking a lot, but not really looking for feedback. Where it almost, it, it almost wouldn't matter what Jim said. Right. Bob would just continue. It's, it could be anyone. It I could see. be a brick wall. Yeah. I mean, not really, but um, but there's an element of it's not a true discussion. Yeah. And that, after a while, that starts to feel like, well, is this a real relationship if you don't really 
care what I think at all. Or, or I don't get to really talk about yeah. my day and my time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think for a, a therapist though, I mean, there, there are definitely times in, in session, I guess that, um, a patient is kind of talking a lot. They're taking up a lot of space and they're they're I mean, that's what they're there to do in a way. Um, but hopefully in good therapy, there's some interaction <laughs> with the therapist, right? It's not just endless kind of, um, it's not the same as Bob and Jim's phone call. What does a therapist do differently that Jim doesn't do? Well, I mean, there's definitely times I let my clients emote. That's fine. You know, sometimes there's a lot of pain, you know, sometimes something's happened that's very painful and it's really important that the the patient's able to describe their reaction and to tell you what's going on. Um, I think in subsequent kind of discussions of that event, though, there's a lot more directive um, kind of feedback to help bring them on board to the therapeutic process of, you know, how is this impacting you in a negative way? How has your thought process been impacted? How is, what are you doing behaviorally in response to these things? So there's a direction there. I think that therapy takes that, that Jim and Bob don't have. Yeah. So that's to your first point that like there's a function or a goal with it. And maybe a, that's one of the reasons I think I don't find, I don't experience a lot of complainingness in therapy because it's, it's my job in some ways to transform what might be complainingness to help them kind of put that to a productive end. Right. Because when Bob first comes to therapy, if he decides to come to therapy, um, he's going to do the same thing probably that he does with Jim. Right. Right. Um, but for me, I, you know, I'm sure I've had patients where I thought they're complaining, but I'd be hard pressed to really recall those times. Yeah. You know, it, it yeah, I don't really recall a time where I thought this is complaining because to me it's, it's a inside a therapeutic process where you're doing your job, you know, it, it doesn't feel like complaining. Yeah. I, it also strikes me that as a therapist, part of my job is to, in any kind of interaction that a client um, puts out in therapy, it's to kind of look behind it or underneath it and say, what's, why are they doing this? What's the function? What are they getting out of complaining? And is there some more productive way that they could get that need met? Well, and, and I, I think if you're, if you're doing a good job in therapy, if, or if you're a good therapist, then um, I'm not going to say you're never impacted by the emotion of your client, but you do a fairly good job of filtering that, right? So although I'm present, I'm in the room, and I, I notice your pain, um, I'm able to filter that and look at some of the other things you're themes that you're talking about or, um, specific thought patterns that are emerging. Um, I'm, you know, I'm noticing, I'm looking for a lot of other things rather than just how, how much pain is there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Tell me more what you mean when you say you're filtering that. So Bob comes in and he's complaining about how Bob, crappy his friend Jim is and won't listen to him anymore. Yeah. And Bob is, is really in the, you know, he, he's in a bad way. He's hurt. He's, um, carrying a lot of anger and resentment towards his friends that have abandoned him maybe, or, um, towards his coworkers that treat him badly. And, and, and I get that and I can sit there with Bob and really kind of feel wow, you're really, you've been impacted significantly by this. But a lot of my attention is also looking for Bob's thought pattern. His, the way he thinks about 
the world and, and himself. I'm looking for um, ways that Bob interacts with his environment that may be useful, uh, may be unhelpful, uh, strengths that he has, weaknesses that he has. Um, so a lot of my attention isn't just sitting there staring at Bob's pain and kind of letting that wash over me constantly. It's, it's, I've, I've got a job to do as a therapist. Um, and I'm, I'm connecting with all sorts of other things that are going to be useful and functional for me to help Bob out. Um, so that I'm not just sitting there where Bob at, where, where Bob actually might be just kind of soaking and stewing in pain. Yeah. What do you, th- I, I was wondering if it's, it's kind of unfortunate that we're both, um, we're both cognitive behavioral therapists where we practice the same type of therapy. I, it would be interesting to hear another type of therapist, see if they experience more or less complainingness. Because one, mm. one thought I have is that a lot of people seek out CBT specifically because they know that it has certain characteristics in that it's, it's a little more structured. It's a little more goal area oriented. It's a little bit more, um, focused and practical in some ways it's 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 just a little it's it's not just laying on the couch for 55 minutes describing your mom um and how awful she was to you when you were five um so i think people go in knowing i'm not going to be able to get away with just you know venting for 50 minutes so maybe maybe there's like selection bias in there like we from the outset we people kind of know this is the type of therapy where um that's, this isn't the goal. What do you think about that? Well, I have two initial thoughts. One, you said it was unfortunate that we're both cognitive behavioral. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I feel fortunate. <laughs> For the purposes of this conversation. <laughs> oh, I see. It would be interesting if you were a Freudian. <laughs> it might be interesting. I'm not sure I'd be grateful. Um, and then two, your stereotypes of other therapists are showing. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Um, I don't know. You know, I know, I know cognitive behavioral therapy traditionally has been seen as more goal oriented and, and it might be in comparison to some other therapies. I, I have to think though that, um, you know, therapy is a process towards moving to better functioning. And so even other therapies probably have some structure to them. I don't know exactly. I can't speak exactly to what those you know, structures are and how the, what, how the process is moved around like it, I, I can in CBT. Um, yeah. And I, I, I would agree with that. I, I'm, I'm talking differences of 10 or 20%, not, okay. not drastic. Yeah. Different. Like, if, yeah, of course other types of therapy have structure and, and have goals and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just wonder if, um, I think, th- so, I think sometimes there's a danger though of portraying CBT as, almost mechanistic and um, machine-like rather than a personal connection. Because I think sometimes I hear about um, when pe- when CBT has talked about it, it seems way too rigid and unemotional to me. Uh, um, and I'm quite confident that, you know, I, I think one of the major tenets of my therapy is allowing uh, patients to establish different relationships to emotion, you know, and, and, and in many ways, the clients are coming to you because they're struggling with their response to a specific feeling. Um, and really the only way to kind of help them 
um, establish that different new functional relationship is to allow them to demonstrate their old pattern and to give feedback about it. So, yeah, sometimes I, I worry that CBT is portrayed as too rigid and non-feeling, I guess. Right. But if you imagine the other end of the spectrum, the, the well, just tell, you, tell me how you feel with nothing else. With zero interruption. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah. there's a lot of that, too. Sure. I, I'm, I don't know. I imagine if that's what I did all day, every day. I might, um, I might feel more like Jim. Mm. So if you did like traditional, well, if I was just very non-directive, very, I see kind of, you didn't interact a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've definitely had clients say they felt like they went to therapy sessions with other therapists and felt like they just kind of, um, told them about their day or week would vent every day for weeks on end. Yeah. Ultimately, it wasn't very helpful. And uh, yeah, ultimately, they say, yeah, I stopped going because it was just me talking right. about, yeah. Right. So um, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, sure. But I've, I feel like sometimes patients are trying to take care of you in that moment. You know, when they ask that question, do you just listen to can people complain all day? Um, a lot of the time, I think it does come with the realization of like, wow, I've really just unloaded a lot. Um but I can honestly, like, I love what I do. I really do. It, it, it to me, it's like, it's it just, it's such a, an honor to go on a journey with someone in therapy. Um, and I've never, I don't think I've ever felt like I was just getting complained at ever. Hmm. I, I think that if, if anyone takes any one thing away from this episode, I think that's what it should be right there is that at least for the two of us, it seems like in general, that is not at all our experience that we, we really get frustrated with that. But I will say that I have definitely had stretches of therapy where I felt like, gosh, this is a lot of um, complaininess. Um, and what I've realized is that it never la- it's never lasted. I've never had a perpetually complaining experience with a client. And it, it usually resolves for one of two reasons. One is I look at things a little bit differently. I, like I do that thing of like, they're, they're trying to get something here as best they can by complaining. And it's, it's not working for either of us. Right. So can we kind of reframe this in another way and look at, well, like what are they really after mm-hmm. here? Well, and I guess, um, you know, you, you take, you take uh, depression, for example. Um, depression is brutal. And the thought process is inside depression is, um, extremely negative sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the, the problem. Right. And so they're definitely going to exhibit that in the room. And if you're a good therapist, you can help them see that, you know, that this is part of the problem, right? This thought process, this thinking pattern, this uh, way of conceptualizing whatever is part of the issue. Um, and so I guess if I was a supervisor of a psychologist and they came to me and said, I feel like my, my clients are complaining to me all day, I would probably say then there's something you're doing wrong. Yeah. 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 Well, and and like you're pointing out a a good therapist, I I would think could always see that complaining probably always has a context that it's happening in, right? It's not, people don't have a complainingness gene that just forces them to be complaining. 
it's there's always functions and reasons for why it's happening and that's your job is it there and that's one of those things i've had to learn is that um it's my job to kind of figure out what's going on there like a really i think the depression one is a good example but a, a much more mundane example is I had an experience with a client where that was kind of happening. Like it was starting to feel kind of complainy. And I realized I was feeling kind of uncomfortable because in part, because I didn't know what to do about it as a therapist. Um, and my discomfort was, I was kind of putting that on the client and what we, we ended up feeling. And so we ended up talking about it and what it, what it turned out to be was that the client was nervous about what to talk about in therapy. <laughs> they didn't know what to talk about. Um, because we had sort of, we had worked on one particular issue for a while and sort of resolved it, but they still kind of wanted to be in therapy, but it was sort of unclear what they wanted to work on. And, and so that complainingness was a result of confusion or anxiety about what to talk about. And then after that, it just, I, I haven't once thought of that person as complaining since then. Um, so it, it can be really simple, I think too. Like it doesn't have to be some big complex esoteric reason. Oh, well, most things aren't right. (laughs) Contrary to popular belief, most psychological issues aren't (laughs) super convoluted. And yeah, there's a, there's a, well, there's a beautiful theory, um, about, um, behavioral transactions that are made in the world. Right. And we all learn a pattern of how to interact with our environment to get what we need. Okay. Does that make sense? What's an example of that? A behavioral um, transaction. That sounds complicated. <laughs> I feel really sad and feel like I need validation support, so I call my friends. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that my friends will give me validation and support. I'm Bob, right? Right. Um, we are, we're all Bob at this point. <laughs> right. And I'm hoping that I can tell my friends my problems and get some kind of support and, and uh, feel validated. Gotcha. Great, great thing to do. Nothing wrong with that. Unless I do it every day, all the time, right? And then I'm, I'm, when I'm feeling sad and I engage in this behavior kind of automatically of calling people and then um, just kind of unloading on my friends, um, that doesn't, that even ends up not working because Jim gets tired, you know, and gets kind of overwhelmed and frustrated. And, and I think helping a client understand that. You know, what you're needing in that moment is fine. Validation and support, that's a beautiful thing. The way you're going about getting validation and support, though, is maybe not the most effective way of, you know, that you could do that. Are there other ways that you could feel validated, feel supported um, without necessarily doing the same thing? Does that make sense? Totally. That's a very clear explanation, I think. Yeah. And so part of what he might, part of what Bob might consider complaining is actually just part of a maladaptive pursuit of validation and support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Tim, in answer to your question, no, not really. We don't get really tired of it because it actually doesn't happen that often. And when it does, there's usually a very um, good kind of therapeutic reason for it. And that's our job to figure that out. Yeah. And I, and, and again, like if, if, uh, yeah, in, in a therapeutic context, you know, true complaining probably uh, just shouldn't occur. <laughs> I, I guess maybe I would say complaining is in the eye of the beholder, <laughs> in the ear of the beholder. And so, 
Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're working with a therapist, they probably shouldn't consider it complaining. I think that might be the title for this episode. Complaining's in the year of the beholder. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>